Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Amanda Sowards. We're good friends. We like to talk about all kinds of things, whether it's politics or current events. So we're going to have some fun. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Amanda Sowards. Welcome back to the show, Amanda. Thank you. It's nice to be back. It's been a while. (laughs) It's been a very long while, yes. (laughs) So I got to tell everybody, number one, I don't, I'm, I'm sick and I don't know what's going on and we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, I, I have put my Thursday guest on kind of like wait and see. It depends on how I feel. It depends on um, if I have to go to the doctor. So here's the deal. Last Thursday, I got a sore throat and I figured initially that it was seasonal allergies or something like that. And it just didn't go away. And then it just it's still here <laughs> so um and basically I'm experiencing kind of like a headache and it's so weird this is not like anything I've ever had before and I've taken t- one PCR test a bunch of rapid tests they've all come up negative I don't completely trust the negative because in fact yes I got the PCR on Monday I think it was no Sunday so the results came back yesterday negative, and it specifically said, this may not be an accurate result. It might be a little too soon. So you the, should... P- the PCR said that? Yes. It's, it said that um, when I got as a CVS, and they have their mm-hmm. little like sign-in thing, and you go and look at results. So it basically said, yeah, this may not be accurate. You might have to test again if you continue to have symptoms. So, mm-hmm. And I've been reading about it. I've also been hearing there's a lot of people who are experiencing what I'm experiencing, although degrees of sore throat change. Mine is fairly mild. It's not like fire. It's not Mm -hmm. like I can't swallow. But what's weird is that sometimes I think I'm getting better because my throat starts to feel better. And then, Mm -hmm. and then it comes right back, which I, that never happened to me before, before any of this. And so I don't like, I know with COVID at least the initial strain, it was up and down for some people. Like on day five, they were like, okay, I was fine until day five. And then it went in the toilet and then it came back and then went in the toilet. So it's Mm -hmm. like, and then yesterday I went to have coffee and I could, I could taste it, but it was off, but then everything went back to normal. So, you know, I mean, I don't, and I don't have a fever. I don't have congestion. Um, I just feel like crap. And, you know, I mean, I can do things. I can take my shower and make my dinner. I'm not debilitated, but it's, it's, I've, I'm really worn down and right. I, just, I just feel like shit. So anyway, I want to put it out there to everybody that I'm not sure if there's going to be a Thursday show. I'm going to get one more PCR test tomorrow. I'm going to get the results on that and then decide, you know, if I'm going to see a doctor. Everybody's mm-hmm. telling me to see a doctor. So, well, you should see a doctor anyway, because it's very, whatever you've got, it's very weird. It I mean, is. I, I don't know. 
Like, so, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think that something that lingers like this, even, you know, I think you've also been, the thing about the, the bad thing about being vaccinated is sometimes you can't produce enough viral load to to test positive either on the antigens or the PCRs. Interesting. That's fascinating, which also, by the way, today, uh, I saw the FDA approved a, a second booster for people 50 and over. So I'll definitely be taking advantage of that when mm-hmm. I'm feeling better. But mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's, it's upsetting. And what I fear is, uh, not fear, but like, I anticipate if I go to the doctor, they're going to look at me and they're going to say, you don't have strep because I don't have strep throat. I don't have a fever. Right. I don't have any of that. Everybody keeps saying strep and this. No, it's none of that. Plus, I got a flu shot, so I don't have the flu. But I'm afraid they're just going to go, I don't know what's wrong with you. In fact, yesterday I got a comment from a doctor who said they've been seeing a lot of sore throats in the ER with a lot of negative testing. And what you just said makes sense. Maybe there's a lot of us who have been vaccinated and we've Mm -hmm. got it and it's really mild. Mm -hmm. And it's just for that reason, maybe not showing up. I don't know. Um, But they also said this, this I don't have mono, but the doctor said they're seeing more cases of mono and it's showing up in unusual age groups like it's not the normal age groups they're used to seeing so that was kind of interesting that was just one doctor (coughs) excuse me and I might be coughing through this a little I'm not coughing coughing but I have to clear my throat so just I'm just FYI everybody I'm not getting rid of all of them (laughs) (laughs) so anyway um let's just begin I know oh and before we begin to the like official show I prepared nothing because, first of all, Amanda and I could f- talk for fucking three hours with no problem. <laughs> and then also, just because I'm tired and I just didn't feel like concentrating, and I trust that, again, you and I, we got this. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> tell me, you, I know you moved. Talk about it. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I did. I'm actually sitting in the midst of, like, still hit deep in boxes. I've only unpacked about a quarter of the way. Hmm. But I, um, I, you know, in our, in our, brief touch on manifesting mm-hmm. i uh was living in oh, right. a dump there uh-huh. is absolutely no other way to describe it it was a horrible horrible dump hmm. terrible and um my daughter lives in a building that um uh, is uh it's it's an older building but it the rents are really reasonable and the the units are it's one of those buildings that was built in the like the 60s where the apartments are huge Mm -hmm. and uh nobody ever moves out because the rents are so low she (laughs) keeps the rents really low Mm -hmm. um because she doesn't like a lot of turnover so i'm walking through my daughter's complex and she goes oh you know that one bedroom just became available and i was like on it (laughs) i'm like that is my apartment yes I'm moving. And before I even submitted an application, I went home and started to pack. Wow. Um, I'm just like, this is it. We're making this happen. And uh, it happened so quickly. God love my sister. She ended up lending me the money to, to actually do the move because mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, I hadn't had any time to like save money for it. Yeah. So um, right. I'm actually, uh, I, I turned in my keys for the old apartment on March 18th. And, uh, and so this is like, I, this is about a week, a week into being in this apartment, two weeks into being in this apartment. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, I just made it happen. And it's like, just 
being here, even surrounded by boxes and not knowing where everything is going to go yet. I have no furniture because <laughs> and because the other apartment was bug infested and oh, I did no. not want to bring right. any soft yeah. furniture except for my bed, which I literally sprayed the box spring uh, for. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't bring my vacuum because bugs were living. Right. I was afraid bugs wow, would be living in nothing. that. Yeah. And um, I just, so I'm sitting here with like no living room furniture, <laughs> no nothing. Um, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not luxury right now, but it's so much, my life is so much better now. That's it's awesome. Just, now, did yeah. you say your daughter lives in that building? Yeah, she lives, oh, I can perfect. literally look out my window right now and see her bedroom window. So. Oh, that's great. So you're able to be so close to her and your grandson. And my that's grandson. That's so yeah. cool. That's really cool. I can be a cookie nana. I can bake cookies <laughs> for my grandson and my daughter. Here, I have a cookie. You skin and bones. Eat. That's really cool. And I like that you manifested it. And yeah, off mic, we were having a little conversation. And I don't get too, I don't get into it too much on the free shows. But yeah, I like to talk about manifestation deliberate manifestation on the uh, whatsapp uh, on the patrons only shows but so when let me just kind of take take us through the manifestation process in that like what did you think and did you did you have any kind of thoughts that this wasn't going to happen and if you did how did you handle them you know what the weird thing is i I didn't really think that much about it. This is what I thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a la, you know, finding Nemo seagulls. Mine. <laughs> right. Mine. Yeah. This is mine. Right. right. This is mine. And this is where I need to be. And it just. It was a it decision. Was, yes, exactly. I just basically decided that's my apartment. Mm -hmm. Nobody's getting in there. <laughs> Nobody gets that apartment but me. It belongs to me. And, um. And so that's, I just didn't really, and also, I will also tell you what helped it, is it happened so fast. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to really to stress that. Yes. Yeah. That's so, um, that, and that definitely helps if you have to, almost, I feel like sometimes if you have too much time to mull mm -hmm. it over, mm -hmm. it almost works against you. It absolutely works against you. Cause what I was telling you is I, I feel a little stuck right now. And, mm -hmm. um, I, when, what I've noticed is every single time I've thought about stuff I've manifested, specifically, not the de not the deliberate manifestations, but just stuff I wanted and then it showed up. Sometimes it showed up immediately. Sometimes it took years. But um, I think the common thread was just what you explained. It was it was it wasn't like you were thinking, oh, I'm going to deliberately manifest this, and oh, it is mine. It was an mm -hmm. inner knowing. It was right. like a knowing, this is mine. Some might argue that that could be a little bit of a psychic thing or an intuition you're picking up on. But at the same time, you just had this knowing. And I think when we, I think when we have those, it, it's the, the best and most easy way. And mm -hmm. it, when, when you put too much focus on it, and I think that's what I, I've been guilty of. I've been putting focus on, I have this like, I have this, I'll call it an intention that I want to manifest. So I think I've been putting so much emphasis on recognizing it's not here. And then I keep noticing it's not here. And then right. I get a little bunched up. And then I'm, and then I'm like, can I really do this? It's like, I've already, I've seen my own life. You know, there's been so many things with we just fucking manifest our lives. And mm -hmm. you don't, I don't think you get everything you want. 
I don't think you are a magic person that can blink your eyes and just because you want it with no resistance automatically going to come. But I do think that there is this, I don't know, there's an, ener there's an energy to the universe and there's a way to work with it. And I just, you know, I have not uh, figured it out 100%, but I love trying. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you know, one of the things that we did talk about too off air was stuff that happens, you know, how, how much easier it seems when you're a child. Yeah, yes. Because you suspend disbelief. Yes, and, uh, so true. And I, <laughs> I do. And I think that that has a, I mean, you know, I think that has to a lot to do with it. If you can sort of transport yourself back to being a child mm -hmm. where you, um, um, you just you know truly fully live in the moment yeah. that's what kids do yes kids they do. live in the moment that's why everything is so real mm -hmm. i mean i remember when i was a kid and we were playing uh, we were playing stuff you know we would be make believe you know playing make believe and and then and this is the this and then we're doing and everything seemed so real mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, and you weren't sitting there going, but it's not real, and I, I'm, it's it's weird, and I'm making it up, and it's not gonna. You don't think like that. You just mm -mm. go with it. You know, it's funny because, and I told this story on my patrons only show. Uh, I and again, I don't usually talk about this too much on the free show, and we will get some politics in here, but I just ha I just have to talk about it because I, I'm just <laughs> so fucking tired of feeling upset about all the shit that's going on and of course we're going to talk a little tiny bit about the toxic masculinity stuff too oh but because um, we have to but just yeah. before we get into it I want to just share a funny story that when I was uh let's see I think I was 15 and I was 14 and I had just turned 15 so it was that summer and there was this guy uh he lived down the shore my grandparents had that's what you call it down in the eastern shore down the shore or even the ocean we call it that here anyway on the east coast but my grandparents had a house down the shore and there was this guy his name was jimmy joe don't you love it and um <laughs> i won't say his last name which is even more like impressive but i can't because i don't want to give it away and i know he's on social media but so jimmy joe was he was like the cute teen guy who would wear levi's and no shirt and all the women would swoon and all the young girls would swoon so um i remember i had you know a slight crush on jimmy joe and i had come back I lived in California so spending the summer in Maryland come back and I'm all thin you know I'd lost all this weight and I was so proud no I think I was actually 14 that's what I was I was 13 mm -hmm. turning 14 so I was thin for the first time and kind of pretty you know I, mm -hmm. I, I was I went from the geeky awkward preteen and then I started to blossom and I you know I had lost some weight and I looked pretty so I wanted to I wanted Jimmy Joe to notice me and during that visit, my aunt and cousin, my cousin who's three years younger than me, they were also there. And so she, they were doing the Lord's Prayer before they went to bed. And I, and I heard it, you know, and, and I just, I, I wanted to do that. I thought, oh, that looks fun because I'm not religious. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, I memorized the Lord's Prayer and then I thought, well, I'm going to start praying. So my first prayer was, dear God. Please let me be alone <laughs> with Jimmy Joe. <laughs> because 14. That totally tracks. I love that. <laughs> so I was like, dear God, let me have a moment alone with Jimmy Joe. And if I freak out and if I'm uncomfortable, please make sure that I get out of it without anything awful happening. So um, that was my prayer to God. 
And okay, the weirdest part of this whole story, and I and I totally view this as a manifestation, like one that happened, because I had in my head it was all spelled out. I knew what I wanted. I wanted time alone with him, but I knew that I was not quite ready. I was only fourteen. I had never kissed anybody or anything, so I knew I wasn't ready for anything sexual. And I was afraid if he did anything like that, I I needed a good out. And so, at this point, uh, I'm like he shows up. And I think he was about 16. He shows up at my grandmother's house and he's got some hair on his face. And I got really freaked out because it was like, oh my God, he looks old. Like he looks like a fucking man now. And, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what to, and so then my grandmother complete, it was so weird because I don't remember if he asked or if she suggested that we go out on the boat. Um, that was so unlike her. It was out of character for her to send her granddaughter off with a guy. It just was so unlike her. So I thought that was kind of an interesting twist to that. Anyway, so we go, he takes me out on the boat, and he starts telling me things like, you're so beautiful, you look like a woman now, and um, like, I thought you'd be married by now. I was 14, and I'm just looking at this guy named Jimmy Joe. <laughs> I'm like, dude, no. And so we're on the boat, and he can't get the motor started. And then it, the funny part was the other boy who I had a crush on, this guy Michael, he came up in his boat, and I guess Michael was drunk, and Michael was also about 16. And Michael loved me, and so uh, which was rare. Boys didn't like me because I was tall and everything, so it's like Michael had this huge crush on me, and he got so jealous that I was on the boat with Jimmy Joe and I was like like so fucking happy because they were kind of arguing over me and I felt so great but then I I was still thinking please God don't I can't fucking go out in the middle of the lake or the water with this Jimmy Joe guy because something's going to happen and what wound up happening is he couldn't get the motor started and we had to go back and it was like and so I I thought oh my God praying works (laughs) (laughs) I was convinced. So I just, I started like, dear God, and whatever, whatever I wanted. And of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> All the other, air, uh, the other prayers weren't answered. But I remember like being so convinced, like praying works. <laughs> it was so <laughs> funny. But I feel like I manifested that because I had the visual. I had no resistance about it. It was very easy. And the, and the craziest thing was that my grandmother like had no problem with it, which was like, What? I, I, I figured she would say no for sure. And it was like, because mm-hmm. she always did on things like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well, but yeah, I think I think when you get older, you just, like you said, you get jaded. Well, because you, you know, you're suddenly clued into what being an adult is. And, and you know, people tell you to stop being foolish yes. and stop being childlike. And um, especially like you notice this too with creative endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very like one of the things I, reg- I I love the fact that I got my MFA. I really do. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, it, it sort of has obstructed my writing hmm. because I get way into my head a lot quicker hmm. than I did before I got my, my master's degree. Right. Because wow. you're spending so much time sitting around tables listening to people critique your work mm-hmm. um and it, it and i just honestly look back on that and think to myself i don't know honestly how helpful that was mm-hmm. um and and i don't even mean that in a bad way because i was grateful that i got it and i i had a lot of great teachers and i had a lot of great experiences 
but I'm not always convinced that as far as being a writer, uh, going to work places where you workshop your writing is, mm -hmm. is, is the best. Well, let's just say it's, it's not necessarily the best for everybody. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, interestingly, I know, you know, my mother's also a writer and she read on writing by Stephen King. And mm -hmm. he, he said like for him, he doesn't like to do an outline of a story. And my mom said she felt so good when she read that because she, she's like, I can't, I don't know where a story is going to go. I can't mm -hmm. make an outline for it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so she's like, when I read Stephen King, and it was funny because that's when I wrote Peyton's Choice, I just thought, okay, I want to write a story about a teen who has an abortion and doesn't have any regrets. And that's mm -hmm. all I thought about. And, and then it just like, it was so awesome because I just went on this ride. But yeah, I can imagine that when you are taught and there's this structure, how it could interfere with your thought process while you're writing. And I could see that, yeah. Right, because you basically, I mean, the biggest, I think the biggest inhibition to being creative, whether you're painting, writing, you know, refinishing furniture, knitting, sewing, whatever, is you have this critical voice in your head that's like, you suck, you yes. can't do this, I don't know why you yes. think you can do this, you know, and a lot of times, I, I think maybe everybody might have that, mm -hmm. and the, the people who are truly creative uh, feel the need to be creative so strongly that they can talk, they can shout that voice down. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that I think sometimes when I look back on my MFA, uh, that the process of breaking apart my work, and sometimes people would just say the most ridiculous things. Sometimes people ha offered helpful advice during workshops, and mm -hmm. sometimes people just had ridiculous things. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. It's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never amount to anything right <laughs> but um you know or they just have to feel like they have to have something to say yeah. so they whatever pops into the pretty little heads and um you know it's like uh, and uh and especially you know this is mind you this was in 2000 i graduated uh with my mfa in 2007 Seven, so this is long before hmm. like people started using words like mansplaining. And, <laughs> so you can imagine what men men have so much. They have so many opinions. Oh my god, they have so much to say about what women write about, and you know, and uh, you know, it's and it, it's really it's kind of uh, it was sort of bruising. Mm -hmm. in a way and it was uh, yeah. a very gentle program too because there are very harsh right. workshopping programs like Iowa State is supposed to be like a, just a just an absolute you know war zone but I went to Antioch Los Angeles and it was very warm and fuzzy and comforting mm. and people were very supportive um, but it was just the process is very hard to take hmm. so um, wow. but I think that's big big part of it like before that yeah. I wrote like a child wrote. I just hmm. sat down and wrote. Yeah, yeah, it is like I think as as adults we just are told that we can't. I mean, I genuinely believe that there, you know, I've said this so many times, there's more to life than meets the eye. And you know, it's funny people pussy People will poo-poo psychics for good reason because there's a lot of charlatans mm -hmm. out there that ruin it. Mm -hmm. But they ha they they're like yeah psychic isn't a thing yet they'll say mm -hmm. i had intuition and it's like mm -hmm. that's what it is <laughs> right that's, that's all right. it is and you know and it's like i feel like when you get older 
you just keep telling yourself all these negative things you can't have to or or you take experiences and I'm learning this as I go but it's like we can have all these experiences um, maybe we're trying you know I, I like to use basically this is the best way to describe it I watched the the last blockbuster which was the documentary about the last blockbuster and there was this actor who was interviewed and he said that he had been going out on I don't I think he said like let's just say I went out on 78 auditions and I mm -hmm. never got anything. And then the 79th audition, excuse me, was the Blockbuster commercial, and I got it, and I never had to have a real job again. Well, at 50 auditions, without booking anything, he could have easily said, because I've had all these auditions, I'm never gonna get it. I'm never gonna book it. Look, I've had mm -hmm. 50, and I never booked it. But mm -hmm. he, he just, it's like, we, we have a tendency to look at other experiences and say, well, if it didn't happen then, it's not gonna happen now. And, right. and that's just wrong. That's just you making that decision that it's not going to happen because you don't know. You don't know. Right. And if you come at it from a different perspective, you're, you're going to, like the way I look at these things now, because I've been guilty of doing that. Well, it didn't work for me before. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it, it could work for you the next time. But you can't walk into it with a, see, it's not going to work. If you mm -hmm. have that mindset, you're just setting yourself up. Because I do think the energies are, it's important what kind of energy you put out. It's, it goes like, I think it's a lot of different things. It's like what you expect to happen. And then in some cases, it's what you physically do. Sometimes it's just how you think. But as we get older, we just keep telling ourselves that's, that's all nonsense and it's never going to happen and we got to mm -hmm. get straight. And it's like, well, I mean, I think we need to live in reality. I think we have right. to go by science and we have to, you know, make all the right choices. But I think there's there's a there we can play a little bit more than we think we can play I around. agree with you yeah I agree with that yeah and it also you know uh, I mean is it like here's the thing I I have often you know in those moments where you're lying in bed and you're half asleep and you're half awake I turn this stuff over in my head and it it occurs to me is it you know is it any more realistic to assume that you're not going to get it because you haven't gotten it before mm -hmm. than to assume that you're going to get it even though you haven't gotten it before right yeah. i mean you know what i'm saying yeah. like for me either way you're uh you're i mean you know like it, it, I'm always sort of reminded about that that uh, uh, slogan for uh, California Lotto. You can't you can't win if you don't right. you can't win if you don't play. Yeah, and it's and it obviously for the lotto the the, the um, odds are exorbitantly high. However, yeah. somebody wins the lotto. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you know, and it's not to say I'm not saying you know, just not about the lot, but it, all the time, somebody is going to get that part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every part you go on an audition for, somebody's going to get that part. Get it. Yeah, and you don't have win. any control over who that somebody is. Yeah, but you only have control over this one moment where you show up. Yeah, with the idea, this part is mine. Yeah, you know, this part belongs to me. And if and you know it's not your fault if somebody else can't realize that if, yeah. if the casting director doesn't see that it, the part may, is still yours. Yeah, it's yours to lose, and um, or the you know the story it's that story belongs to you. That's yeah. that book that you're writing. That book is your bestseller. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, not if you don't write it. Right. Yeah. You're not going to have, or like, you can't say, 
I'm going to start a business and be incredibly successful and do jack shit. Of course right. you have to do things. But mm -hmm. I think it's, there's like a combination of real world effort put in. Even if it's like playing the lotto, the only thing you could do is buy a ticket. But you have to mm -hmm. buy the ticket. And so, you know, I mean, it's like whatever it is you're doing, I think you just have to get rid of all of the preconceived bullshit that you've learned um, if preconceived is the right word. Um, mm -hmm. But just the idea that, you know, we have beaten ourselves into thinking, oh, I'm not lucky. And then also you're not supposed to have like it's weird. We we love confidence and we hate confidence. Yes. You know, it's like, how dare you have confidence? Well, you don't have enough confidence. And it's like, I don't know, you're stuck, but it's finding that happy medium where you can. And, and again, I think the bottom line is and what the hardest thing, at least for me to figure out in all of this is how to get rid of those resisting thoughts and be more childlike. That's what's the, um, you know, that's what is my challenge because it's like, mm -hmm. no matter what I've, no matter how excited I get, if I read a book and say, Oh my God, I, I love this. And it, my mind will go right back to, but I don't have it and I don't see it. And where is it? And I'm never going to get it. You know? So it's mm -hmm. like, th those are the feelings that I have to overcome. And I have mm -hmm. overcome a lot of things just in these last two years with how I think and, you know, like I, I've noticed what's gotten in my way and then I've thought about it and I've I've done all the work as far as like, OK, well, let me prove to myself that's not true. And one of the things that I'll say is that I used to freak out all the time if I had an unexpected expense. And and I, I just, all I had to do was just say what? Ha OK, let's just like and an unexpected expense could be a car repair, a vet bill. Mm -hmm even a tax bill or so you expect it, but you don't. And so when they come up, whenever they've come up before, I've freaked out, I get so upset and then I pay it and then I'm fine and right, no, nothing exactly. happens. <laughs> so I, just, I just had to I remind just, myself of that. <laughs> I was just talking to my therapist about that this morning because um, I have, I have an outstanding tax bill with the franchise tax board. And so I, I mean, yeah, I called them up and I mean, it, but when you get that letter, yes. it's like, oh my God, I know. Well, first of all, in the back of your head, you're like, they're coming to arrest me. They're going <laughs> to knock know. on the door. And you're not going to prison. It's just a tax <laughs> bill for God's sake. So I called up the nice man at the franchise tax board and we worked out a payment arrangement and, um, uh, it's going to hurt for the next like five paychecks mm -hmm. because I wanted to get it over with. Mm -hmm. So it'll, you know, until the first paycheck in May, it's not, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be a little tight, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not going to cripple me. Right. And, and it's just like, once I s made the decision to do it yeah. and I realized how much money was going to come out of each paycheck and that it was going to be over by May, I was like, Oh, you know what? We're good. But it's like you said, you know, you look at that tax bill yeah. and you're like, what? Yeah. And, um, but you know, I'm, I'm a, I actually, after we're done here, I, I get to call up Spectrum Cable and have a big gigantic fight with them. Um, <laughs> cause I felt like, you know, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to try and be sweet about it. I'm trying to get them to give me shit for free, but, um, <laughs> but, or, or just make things easier. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's like, and I was like, I, the one thing about being on, I'm on, I just, one of the things that uh, has happened in the last several months is I've gotten on medication for ADHD. Oh, right. Okay. And that has completely, one of the reasons I think this apartment happened was because if you gave me a list of, say, uh, of, a, of a, you gave me a project and in that project 
in order to accomplish it. You had a list of seven things you had to do. Mm-hmm. By by item number three, I would have shut down. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And the one thing that the ADHD medication has allowed me to do is just to very systematically go step by step, oh, that's by step by step. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I'm also on uh, on anti-anxiety medication so that I don't freak out. As, now, that's not to say I didn't have my freak outs during the move. Um, I had many freak outs during the move. Moving is It's horrible. very stressful, yeah. It is very... It, well, it's one of the big seven things that they tell you yes. could, could bring on suicide. So, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> but... but um, it's, you know, there, it, there is a procedure. The one thing about moving is there's a procedure yes. and you have to follow the procedure. And, um, one thing that sort of tamping down your neurodivergence does is it helps you follow the procedure right. and not get too much, you know, into your, into to a cycle. Yeah. Um, and that, the one thing too, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about being a kid. It's, there's so much that I think we could, um, alleviate so much anxiety we can alleviate if we could find that whatever that joy was of mm-hmm. when we were children yeah um and then for me um again another discussion i was having with my therapist not this time but a couple of sessions ago was um the idea of self-parenting if you can bring yourself back to where you were a child but you also know you're the parent of, of that child hmm you're the parent Mm -hmm. so you're going to make sure that that child is taken care of the way that child needs to be taken care of because god love our parents they're wonderful people they did their best but whatever they didn't have the tools or Mm -hmm. they didn't know who you were as a kid or Mm -hmm. they didn't they weren't hearing the questions that you were asking in the way that you were you meant to ask them and and this way as your own parent you understand that child more than anybody else does that's an interesting uh, concept there yeah and i think that just trying to revert to some kind of the innocence of childhood and the and the ability to just suspend disbelief yeah if you can just do that long enough to get through your creative project or get through whatever you're manifesting or get through or just to kind of get through, a, you know, relationships is mm-hmm. a huge thing. Remember mm-hmm. that very first time you ever fell in love, you went down hard. You went, mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. This was it. You were in love. <laughs> and then, you know, you, he, then he broke your heart. Yes. And you and you were like, that's it. And now you never go into a relationship again with that kind of no, no, fervor. yeah, exactly. And for me, it took fucking eight years to get over that. So right. I, I was very careful. Don't because I lost myself. So right. yeah, I just I lost myself, and I thought I'm never doing that again. And I certain I kind of lost my. What the crazy thing was, there was this guy that I I, I met, and I, I I guess you could call it love, fall in love, but it was a combination of just like obsession and infatuation and desire to be wanted and loved and then uh, there was something remarkable about uh, remarkable about him because I actually had like a premonition he was coming in and then he did Mm -hmm. and it was like I was hit by lightning but then it was funny so like it didn't work out and then well he was already moving to a foreign country that as soon as I met him I had learned that and uh it was right before he was going to move so we had a long distance relationship and of course it didn't work out and then Mm -hmm. um Sometime later in 2001, I 
met this guy and it was similar. I, I, I didn't have a premonition, but my friend called me and she's like, hey, there's this guy I want you to meet. He's really smart and I think you're really going to like him and he's moving to New York. And I'm like, no, no, I've already done this. I'm not <laughs> meeting a guy who's fucking leaving. And they just wouldn't leave me alone. They're like, come on, Kimberly. Come on, Kimberly. They called me. The guy's name is Paul. He was like, come on, let's meet. And so I just, I, I finally folded and as soon as I folded and I said, okay, I had this little moment. And I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it other than like, ding, I knew mm-hmm. something was up. It was mm-hmm. like, I knew it. And I met him and it was, I met him at the same fucking place where I met the other guy. I, I mm-hmm. set that up. I said, let's go to Cat and Fiddle. I don't know if you ever mm-hmm. went there, but I fucking love that place. And it's gone now. But it was on, uh, I think, Hollywood or Sunset Boulevard. And mm-hmm. uh you know, I, I just, I fucking crashed for him and it was weird. It was like, and, and he reminded me of the other one. It was, mm-hmm. it was like the weirdest thing, but of those, that was the last time that I fell that hard. And I just thought right. I'm not doing that shit again. And it's funny because when I met Bob, um, the, the, the difference with him and everyone else was mm-hmm. there was no anxiety. I never questioned what he thought or what, how he felt. Only, like, right in the beginning, I wasn't sure of a couple of things that were going on, but really just a couple of days. And mm-hmm. after that, it was, it was funny because of all the men that I ever went out with, um, he was the e- everything was easy. There was no mm-hmm. anxiety. There was no, is he going to call? Does he like me? None of that. And it was mm-hmm. just, it was equal, and it felt really good and natural. Anyway, I, I totally sidetracked you (laughs) no no I think it's but see here's the thing that's um that's the un. at some point like basically he didn't create the anxiety in you that makes you doubt yourself yes and that's that that's sort of one of the things when you were talking about not losing yourself in a relationship I mean honestly I was married for four years and uh when I got out of that marriage I had no idea who I was because I had been spending four years trying to be, be because I, I like I I have often said you know I love my boyfriend um, my boyfriend loved me um, but on the day of my wedding my husband showed up and he didn't like me so much hmm. you know and I right. spent four years trying to wow. find a way to bring back my boyfriend mm-hmm. to that guy that was my boyfriend mm. of course if you stand back objectively you realize oh he was never that person yeah he was it was this was the that this was the mask that he was wearing and Mm -hmm. and one of the things about being neurodivergent is i don't have that ability Hmm. i don't have the ability to put on a mask and pretend to be somebody me neither me neither it it is a it is a, a a um an exercise that i am extremely uncomfortable with and one of the things that um, when I was acting that made me a good actress is that I couldn't do that, you know, right. that I couldn't be someone else. Mm-hmm. I had to take that part and make that part me mm-hmm. in this circumstance, you know, yes. that part was yeah. always going to be me in that circumstance. So, um, you know, and I, I've often had people say, well, you know, act-, I've heard people say, well, actors is, you know, they're used to, you know, um, you know, actors are, uh, you know that's acting for you acting right. is uh is pretending mm-hmm. you know it's like no 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 that's bad acting <laughs> good acting is actually just 
feeling real. It. Yeah, you he's feel right. it. Yeah. And um, that's kind of like act- manifesting. I remember when I was in um, acting class and, you know, I studied the Meissner technique and basically we would work in exercises and um, with every exercise we had to choose an emotion and it was just a human emotion. So mm-hmm. pain, anger, um, sexuality, humor, mm-hmm. all that. And so it's like, that's what we do here, you know, uh, maybe mm-hmm. not manifesting, but just being human in general. It's like, we are the manifestation, I guess, of, of physical experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are these physical beings having physical experiences. And there are all, and like, it's like, I, I don't know, I was listening to someone talk about a near-death experience, and I was thinking in terms of acting. And I was just thinking, yeah, we've got all these different emotions, and we work in each one, both in acting and in real life. And obviously, acting is imitating real life. But it's right. just, it was just interesting to me to think about it that way, because, I mean, here we all are, and we are all these souls, you know, and we've got these bodies, and we're on this planet and we're all doing this shit. And it's just, it's, it, it blows my mind when I think about it. Um, because, and I've been thinking a lot about it, especially, you know, with the current events, with everything that's going on with the, the invasion of Ukraine, with Putin, with Trump, with the Republican party, with white supremacy, all the stress that we're under. Um, I've been thinking about all of us as a collective and I, and I, I, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it's like I feel like we're all here and we're all going through this experience and I'm, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm getting way too, way too broad here. So I'm just going to bring it back down to saying that I, I feel like, for instance, um, well, let me, let me just go back. I feel like there, there needs to be, there needs to be some event that shakes us up. And I think Ukraine is part of it. Like, I think Ukraine is shaking us up a little, but I don't know if enough Americans are, are paying attention to realize that if we don't get our shit together for November, that we're going to become not Ukraine, but we're going to lose our democracy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we, that event would just have to be organic, but it could happen because, and this is such a great segue, into the Will Smith incident. Mm-hmm. The whole fucking world paid attention to that. We were all watching all around the globe and everyone was affected. And the funny thing is that, you know, I was talking to Bob about this. When, did you watch the Academy Awards? I didn't watch the Academy Awards, but of course I saw that. Yeah. I saw him hit. Right. Well, yeah. when we were, we were watching it and when it first started, you know, we, you see the joke was made. And then you mm-hmm. see Will Smith going up to Chris Rock. And at first, and like here, all, the whole world was thinking exactly the same thing. Every mm-hmm. single person who watching this was like, what's going on? And then you see right. the slap and then you're like, what? Was that real? Because it was from behind. Mm-hmm. Was it staged? Right. Was this a bit? And people are tweeting all this. Was it a bit? What's going on? And then obviously you see, we all know what happened. But it's mm-hmm. like the whole fucking world weighed in. And I don't know what's going to come of it, and we could talk about it, but this is a perfect opportunity to talk about um, uh, toxic masculinity, uh, Mm -hmm. the role of violence in in our culture. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because there's all these fucking snobs going, I can't be bothered with Hollywood tabloids. This is not a Hollywood tabloid story. This is a perfect representation of this country. 
you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so, but it's like, it just proves that one event can kind of shake us. And it's like, I wish there would be an event that would shake us out of our fucking bullshit because Americans are too divided and we're too, uh, I think we, we trust too much that everything's just going to be fine. Yeah. You well, know? we've been, Amer- the, uh, honestly, the most, uh, one of the most toxic things about our political system is American is uh, American exceptionalism and it's, oh, just, yes. it's destroyed us because yeah. we I just believe oh, we're, just, we're, so we're just supposed to be here yeah, yeah. Um, and so people don't do what needs to be done mm-hmm. and yeah that, we take it uh, for granted that oh we're so great and you know what mm-hmm. the bo- like they're calling it the before times now so the before times were totally less than perfect we there was so much that needed to be improved it was a fucking lot better than it, you know, than right now um, mm-hmm. with all the shit that we've got on our plate. But I, I would hope that we can take this opportunity because everything is an opportunity. And mm-hmm. what we're experiencing right now is an opportunity to improve. We can we can mm-hmm. improve on what was not right in the before times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that we do. But I just kind of want to go back to the Will Smith thing. I don't know if you read, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a fucking great piece um, although I have to say, Mel- Melinda Melinda Hale, she mm-hmm. is a black woman. She's been on my show. I was on her show. One of the things that Kareem was saying, and I'm going to see if I can find it. Uh, he wrote, Smith gave comfort to the enemy by providing them with the perfect optics they were dreaming of. Many will be in- reinvigorated. I'm sorry. Many will be reinvigorated to continue their campaign to marginalize African Americans and others through voter suppression campaign so that was kareem and then melinda said wait a minute wait a minute um white men are violent all the fucking time but but Mm -hmm. that one might white man doesn't necessarily represent all white men Mm -hmm. and so she's and i i get what she's saying it's like will Mm -hmm. smith but i think the thing is it's because there's so much fucking white supremacy i think that kareem is correct these white supremacists are going to point their finger it shouldn't be that way, but they're going to point their finger at him and say, see, the black man is violent. The black person can't control their emotions. And it's going to play right into the racism that is so fucking strong. So I totally get what she has to say. Yeah, like fucking not everybody's looking at Jeffrey Dahmer and saying white man can't be in control because of Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> you know, right. no, no one says that. Um, no, but, I, but I, I, here's the thing. And uh, Jeffrey Dahmer doesn't represent all uh, white all, all of white male, all of white male them. Right. You know, not all men eat other men's livers. Yeah. You know, yes, this is, <laughs> absolutely, this is absolutely true. Um, but I also think my daughter brought up a really good point. She's like, because that now I know. Then there's all this talk about stripping Will Will Smith of his Oscar, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, Will Smith loses his Oscar, but Roman Polanski gets to keep his. Yeah, you know, it's like, and I when my point was a Will Smith is black and Polanski is white, and mm-hmm. B Hollywood never met a child rapist that I didn't love. <laughs> so, and that is just a hundred percent, you know, yeah. we are all Hollywood is all about child rapists. Yeah. So, uh, that's, you know, that's never going to be, no one's ever going to, to diss somebody for being a child rapist. Yeah. The only thing that's kept, uh, Roman Polanski out of this country is, is that there are charges pending, mm-hmm. you know, but Hollywood would forgive him in a second. Oh, totally. You, you yeah. heard them. They're mm-hmm. all like, Oh, but he's so wonderful. We have to, right. you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, you yeah. know, I mean, it's funny, too, because I look at I look at the people who 
dismissed this as a tabloid thing and it really irritates me because once again you know everything that Kareem touched on he said he did a disservice to women because Mm -hmm. you know women don't need you to defend them for words I, mm-hmm. if he were beating on her or if he right. you know then yes okay it would be one thing for will to step in but what he did and what that showed us was will felt confident enough to literally go up in front of the world right and strike someone and mm-hmm. you know and, and uh, i think hollywood would forgive him i think they would mm-hmm. why money he makes sure. a lot of money for them so they can look the other way. Right. Well, and here's my thing about the Oscars in general. This is this drives me nuts about the Oscars. Basically, you have a bunch of multimillionaires <laughs> patting each other on the yes. back for making multi-millions of dollars. You know, I'm sorry that Jada... Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing. No one, uh, and especially a man ta- uh, insulting a woman's looks... Mm-hmm. And especially a black man insulting a black woman's look, mm-hmm. that's punching down. Yeah. You don't do that. And right. I like Chris Rock a mm-hmm. lot, mm-hmm. but he was wrong. Yeah. And and just from the beginning, from the jump, that was a that was a bad joke. It shouldn't have been written. And yes, it was probably scripted and run past us. But you know what? Again, not only did the you know the other thing Hollywood n- never met that it didn't like was an insult against a woman's looks. Yeah. You know, uh, if you can take a woman and trash her looks, man, you're just styling. Just mm-hmm. keep on going. Keep doing that. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, he like and I, I have a real I mean, I have a problem with a lot that Hollywood does. Me Not too. just with I mean, <laughs> how much has Jonah Hill taken for his weight ups and downs? Mm-hmm. She, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everybody just shut the fuck up about Jonah Hill's weight. You know, whether he's thin or whether he's fat. Shut the fuck up. But, you know, think about this. What happened when people saw pictures of Bridget Fonda, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, it's like like somehow she owed it to everybody to be that Bridget Fonda mm-hmm. from from, uh, you know. Wait, did she from, gain weight or something? Oh, my God. She's put on a lot of weight. Oh, I, I but, didn't know. I mean, she's still she's retired. She, mm-hmm. She's not an actress anymore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't owe anybody anything. Right. She's put on a lot of weight. And, and people took the they took the most the pa- paparazzi founder took the most horrible pictures of her and they posted and people were just saying the most awful shit about her. It's wow. like, dudes, she doesn't belong to you. No, she's she's not for you. And And my problem with. Um, with this whole attitude that Will Smith, I mean, that, sorry, that Chris Rock felt that he had the right to do that. Um, yeah. And maybe he, I, I think he knew about the alopecia, but let's just say for the sake of argument, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Let's just say he was just critique, critiquing what he believed was a fashion choice right. on the part of Jada Pinkswit, who, by the way, can I just say, looks fucking fabulous. I know, she bald. does. She's gorgeous. Is she, uh, could she be any more beautiful? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, seriously, she's got this incredible bone structure, gorgeous shaped head, and I know that alopecia is a is a is brutal. It's a brutal, because you can't, especially like certain types of alopecia, you can't figure out where it's coming from, mm-hmm. and you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. But she's still a beautiful, beautiful woman. Yeah. And for him, maybe that's why he felt he had permission. It's because she's so attractive. Mm-hmm. But right, yeah. But the fact is, I don't know that he really had the right, and you know, they really had the right to to um, to attack her that way, or to 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 call her out that way. You know, because you're just 
stop talking about women's looks. Like the like at the very beginning, uh, the one thing I also saw was I saw the uh, a clip of the opening monologue, and Amy Schumer was going on and on about Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. And now Harvey wrote a movie about Lucy and Desi, and there was not one funny moment yeah. in it. And first, my first thought was, hey, Amy, if I were you, I would not be talking about people writing unfunny movies. That's number one. <laughs> number two, Aaron Sorkin, she's punching up. Yeah, right, exactly. Amy Schumer is not at Aaron Sorkin's level. She's punching no. up. You know, he's a big boy. Mm-hmm. He can take it. You know, he's going to take his $12 million per picture all the way to the bank, <laughs> yeah. and he, he'll be fine. And his ratings, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, and his what? And his ratings, his high oh, yeah. ratings, yeah. I mean, just, he'll, it's like, not like Aaron Sorkin will never work again right. in this town again. Yeah. He's going to work in this town again. <laughs> You know, he's had enough hits. He's solid enough. Like I said, he's a big boy. He can yeah. take it. Um, but uh, but, to, but she didn't attack his looks. Mm-hmm. She didn't care for his movie. Mm-hmm. She didn't like, okay, that's her opinion. Mm-hmm. And she's entitled to it. And mm-hmm. when you put art out there uh, for everybody to see, you kind of open yourself yeah. up for that. Um, and I just, uh, but, you know, so that's two different representatives is, of how yeah. women you know, go yeah. and and because she's a woman, so mm-hmm. she is at the disadvantage, and she punched up. You know, no one's going to say anything about that. I mean, I, I think somebody that I know did that. I don't like that she dissed Aaron Sorkin. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He's drying his tears with his thousand dollar bill. I know. For sure. I know. Fine, and you know? <laughs> you know, we are used to seeing. Uh, celebrities going after each other. I think like Kareem had said something like it's millionaires making fun of other millionaires right. and, and congratulating each other so they can go make even more millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's what it is. And it's like I don't begrudge them their success and all of that. I, I don't. But what I do like the one thing that I think about when I watch the Oscars is and this is it's not just the Oscars but the Oscars brings it home and it's really a gross representation of it is that no matter what human beings when they are fortunate and they are and like god you don't get any more fortunate than the people at the academy awards mm-hmm. you know when they are fortunate because they are you know loved so much they get so much money they're important people think they're important they're treated like they're gods um they even it's it's rare to see somebody like paul newman who's humble about it it's mm-hmm. hard not to be because you, you get, it's almost like a brainwashing. It's constant. It's right. constant adoration. It's constant, oh, my God, you're so great. Oh, my God, you're so great. Oh, my God, you're so great. And it's almost impossible not to believe it. And, right. and you know, I mean, and it's like you shouldn't believe the hype about yourself. You should never. But being a human being and, mm-hmm. and constantly getting everything you want. I mean, it was like I, I'm watching uh, – I keep wanting to call it Pammy and it's Tom Pam and Tom and Tommy. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I went and I watched an interview with, with him because I think it's a pretty decent show. And I watched mm-hmm. an interview with uh, Tommy after he had gotten out of prison, I guess for like kicking her. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, when you're young, I, I, he started in Motley Crue when he was 17. So he's like, mm-hmm. you're young and you're this rock star and you travel all over the world and everybody caters to your every need, ever need. And you, you just have this feeling that if you got in trouble, someone's going to get you out of it. Right. And, you know, it, I can't blame him for feeling that way. That's what everyone told him. Right. That's all the messaging he got. And he was young. 
So it's like mm-hmm. you've got this young brain and girls are throwing themselves at you, money all over the place. You walk into a place and own it and you're powerful. Of course, you're going to start thinking like that. And when I see it, when I see all these people gathered and I know some of them are humble and I know some of them are good people, but there is still this kind of like, I'm better, I'm better because they are in the upper echelon. They are in the elite and it just bothers me, but it's not even so much them. It's us. We put them there. You know, we treat them that way. No, absolutely. And it's interesting because I remember a long time ago, well, it was the, it was the, um, the, uh, press junket for world according to garb. And um, um, what's her name? Uh, oh, my gosh. Is it Deborah Winger? No, no. Hurt. Uh, oh. Mar- Mary Beth Hurt. Jeez. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she was, they were interviewing her. And, you know, Mary Beth Hurt is one of those actresses who she's a stalwart. You know, she does a lot of theater mm-hmm. and she does a lot of really good ind- independent movies. World According to Garp was kind of a big step for her mm-hmm. because, it was, because it was one of her first big movies, big, big name movies. And she only did like two or three of them. Mm-hmm. But she was making, it's like, but this was a different experience for her. People were asking her about about that mm-hmm. um you know what how how does this movie experience it? and she goes well you know i mean we're sitting here talking in this beautiful hotel and she said you know i have a room upstairs and it's a gorgeous room and i know that you know when we move on to the next city she said and if i'm sitting in my room alone and i'm, I'm lonely i can call somebody and they'll come and they'll keep me company if i'm hungry i can pick up the phone and call somebody and somebody will bring me beautiful food and you know you know some champagne and and you know, and I can, and I will be treated to all of that. And, you know, I go places and people are opening doors for me and there's a car waiting mm-hmm. for me. And, you know, there's snacks, my favorite snacks, you know, and she said, what you, you can never let go of is I don't deserve, she said, and she said, I don't deserve to be treated this way. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. deserves no. to be treated this way. So you can enjoy it mm-hmm. while it lasts. And that's right. the other thing yes. that people don't tell the Tommy Lee's of the world is something in your head thinks, and you see this happen with these older actors, rockers all the time, is that it's always going to be like this. Yeah. But it isn't. It's mm-hmm. fleeting. Mm-hmm. And you have to, one of the reasons I, uh, I both I'm annoyed by and respect Madonna is Madonna knew that whatever she was doing in the 80s wasn't going to be there forever. Yeah. So every few years, she reinvents herself mm-hmm. into whatever is the Madonna of today. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of admire, and Gaga does yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You, you have to admire that. She knew that whatever that person was, wasn't going to last, you know, that holiday person, you know, wasn't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And And if you can embrace that and understand that about how the world works then you will have a career forever yeah yeah that totally makes sense and yeah I mean and it's like I fucking love entertainment I love movies and I love actors you know Mm -hmm. I just I just wish that collectively we wouldn't put them on such a pedestal because what we wind up doing is we put them on this pedestal and then we resent them for being there and then we knock them off you know, mm-hmm. It's like, we're so weird. Human beings are so weird. But it's like, it goes, even if you work at fucking McDonald's, there's a hierarchy. There's a popular crowd. There's, you know, there's the most popular person. And then they get to decide how, you know, the, the, the tone. 
and then everybody follows. That's just how we are. It's like I, I feel like no matter what situation I've been in, whether it's been a grassroots thing for, you know, voting and stuff like that or whether it's a job or anything, whenever there's a group of people, we immediately figure out the hierarchy. And, and, and what I'm, when I mean hierarchy, it's more of like a popularity hierarchy. Of course, there might be right. someone in charge, but there's always going right. to be the popular person. We decide somebody's popular for whatever stupid reason we decide. And then we put them on that pedestal and then we resent them. And it's so dumb. And it's like, I don't resent anybody at the Oscars because I fucking love it. But it, what I resent is that privilege, the privileged attitude, because I have privilege but I don't have the attitude of like, I deserve more than you. I recognize right. that I have this privilege that I don't deserve because mm -hmm. I'm white and I'm an attractive white woman. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't feel that I deserve that privilege. I feel that I, I'm a deserving person and I'm a good person, but I don't feel that I deserve privilege over anybody else in the whole fucking world. I don't care who you mm -hmm. are. I mean, yeah, if you're maybe Putin or something, you know, <laughs> right. but, but not just everyday people who are just trying to live their lives and, and do their thing. And, you know, that's what Hollywood kind of separates us. And, but, but we do it, you know, mm -hmm. it might be promoted to us in a certain way, but we do it again. Like I said, at McDonald's, it, it's just like this natural thing that we need to do that. And, and, and I don't need to do that. So mm -hmm. it drives me nuts. I can totally admire someone you know, I, I, my story about seeing Mick Fleetwood when I was getting my hair done, I was getting my hair mm -hmm. cut and I was at a salon and he was just standing there minding his own business. And I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking me. I love the, f I love Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. I have to fucking say something. And I usually don't want to go bother people who are famous because they always get, always, they can't have a fucking moment alone without someone coming right. up and saying something. So what I did was, you know, was they washed my hair and they put the towel on my head and I was going to go back to my seat. So I just beelined it to him. And I just looked at him. I said, I love you, man. And then I went to my seat. So I was like, <laughs> and he looked at me so confused. It was like, it was like the most confused look. But I just wanted him to know. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, you don't have to fucking do anything for me. I just need to tell you I love you. And you probably mm -hmm. already know it, but I don't care because I love you. And, um, but, you know, but it's not like I think you're better than me. I love you for entertaining me. I love mm -hmm. you for, you know, the music that you've created and the happiness that you've provided for me. And I'm so grateful for it. And, you know, that's one thing. But you're the whole you're better than me. No, I, I hate that fucking idea. I wish people would not take on, you know, you are a god. No, they're not. They're not gods. They're just mm -hmm entertainers and they're very good right. you know if they're very good at what they do they deserve the praise you know but it's like they don't deserve to be treated like they're better than anyone right well they they don't and it's like you know that's that's the our our kind of cult of celebrity yeah is really sort of at the root of all of that you know um but i also i mean it's a, and it's also a, you know america's it's very different in the UK, mm -hmm. you know, like actors have a very different life in the UK mm -hmm. and some actors would argue that it's, uh, you know, it's not as good. And some actors would argue that it's better, but I will also tell you that women have a much older women in particular yeah. have a much easier mm -hmm. time getting work mm -hmm. in the UK. Yeah. Because um, they're not youth obsessed. No, absolutely not. And not only youth, but not beauty obsessed. I right. mean, there's like several series where yeah. women, I mean, just if you just look at Vera, which is a, a, a TV series about a, a, a police woman in, in Manchester, you know, that Manchester area, you know, um, she's 
she's it's Brenda Bleffin. Mm-hmm. She's you know she's sixty something yeah. years old. She's not a beauty, and and she, I, I find her adorable. Mm-hmm. But she's not a beauty, mm-hmm. and she's not trying to be a beauty. Mm-hmm. They put her in a like an old fishing cap and a <laughs> gigantic, you know, Macintosh raincoat. <laughs> that's too too big for her, you know. And she drives a crappy jeep. I mean, that's her character. Yeah. Um. She they they don't even try to pretty her up. Yeah. And that is you know they and I think we I think you and I may have discussed this too. There was a a, a sitcom called Mum, uh, which starred uh, Leslie uh, Leslie Manville, who is in her sixties, and she uh, she played a widow who uh, kind of is dealing with the death of her husband after a long illness and kind of getting back on her feet again. And one of the things that happens to her is she begins this sort of flirtation that turns into a romance with a very old friend of hers who's Hmm. always had a crush on her. Her husband's actually, it's her late husband's best friend. Hmm. And I thought, and they've made her, so they took this woman who's in her 60s and they've made her into a sexually active or sexually attractive um, you know, a woman who might possibly, you know, get a, uh, you know, have a relationship, a brand new re- sexual relationship with a man. And, and it's like, that would never happen here. If they took that story and they put it here, they'd make her like she was 35 years old because we right. all know that women yes. over 60 don't have sex. <laughs> Cause you know, basically it's, it's like that. It's like that. Um, speaking of Amy Schumer, um, although this was a very funny bit, on her show, she did the last fuckable yes, day. They, I love they that. Get, they go, yeah, is that your last fuckable day is when you're like, <laughs> right when you turn like 40 or something, yeah. 41, <laughs> you know, that was your last fuckable day. Um, you know, and that's, I mean, that's basically how America runs its, its how America yeah. runs its ideas about things is your last fuckable day is when you're 41 and then you become invisible. I've always said, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all women over the age of 50 have a superpower and that's invisibility. You know, the, <laughs> you know just as soon as you hit 50 it's like i'm sorry are you here why are you talking you know um so i i just i don't know I, and now i've lost track of what we were talking about but yeah i think that i just think that our cult of celebrity and the need to make people yeah. be beautiful all the time and and it's one of the problems that i have about the oscars and the whole fashion thing it's like you know, we don't spend a whole lot of time looking at the men and what they're mm-hmm, wearing. Mm-hmm. Everyone had something to say about the women and what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. I think one year, some guy wore a bolo tie to the Oscars, and oh my God, <laughs> it was like, you know, you would have thought. <laughs> well, men are getting more. I think Samuel Jackson wore something this year that was not your typical suit i mean it, it is hard to come if men are all wearing the same thing it's like all right that's boring the dresses right. are the, the dresses are the thing that gets your attention mm-hmm. but it's like i think we're seeing more men are starting to find like fashions for men are getting a little bit more diverse it's more than just mm-hmm. like your typical bow tie and black suit so um yeah. I, i've noticed that a little bit more but one thing I want to ask you is I initially said we would go for about an hour and I feel like I can handle a little more and we haven't even really talked about Putin, which I do want to talk about. So do you have a little bit more time to go? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm actually just sitting here at my desk looking at the pool, the oh, reflection nice. of the pool sparkling on my new ceiling. and you know, That's wonderful. All right. Well, really- then, yeah, while we're while you're looking at the beautiful pool, uh, at le- look, there was uh let me see if I can find it. I don't know if I can find it. But there was an alert today 
Yeah. Russia says it will cut back on military operations near Kyiv during peace talks. And I think, I think this is an interesting, um, I think this is interesting because we all know Putin is failing. He is mm-hmm. not accomplishing the goal that he wanted to accomplish. There's all kinds of things happening. Ukraines are fighting back harder than he expected. His own army is not doing very well. Um, the you know they they hadn't planned it well. I guess in some cases, I guess I heard there was this one story the other day where the Russian some of the some of the soldiers killed like a, an officer. They ran him over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the the ruble is just tanked. Everything mm-hmm. is going to shit. And so I, what I want to ask you about this, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I always say this to everybody. I know you're not going to make like a psychic prediction, but like, what do you feel? Like my whole point here is like, how are you feeling this will go? Because I think, you know, we keep hearing that the, um, the fact that the ruble is tanked, the fact that people in Russia, um, aside from the fact that the military operation is failing, just the, the, the citizens of Russia are really being stretched. It's like, it's one thing when everything's just going along and they can access Starbucks and Netflix and, you know, Twitter and TikTok and they're used to their Western things and all of a sudden mm-hmm. everything gets shut off. Um, right. I think there's an opportunity there for the, you know, for a ri- uprising or something like that. And I would imagine Putin thinks in those terms. Um, I think we're going to start seeing at this point, because it says it's cutting back for peace talks, mm-hmm. I think we are going to start seeing Putin figuring out a way how to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Is that What is your gut telling you about this? Here's what my gut is telling me. There's a couple of things my gut is telling me. I think you're right. I think Putin is nothing if not a survivor. Mm-hmm. Putin knows how to adapt his approach to keep himself okay to take care of himself um that being said um here here's my question to you why is navalny still alive yeah i know that's interesting he's in prison he just got sentenced for 100 under vladimir putin's control why is navalny still alive yeah because he knows putin is nothing if he is not stupid mm-hmm. he's a lot of things crazy might be mm-hmm. but he's not stupid mm-hmm. he knows if he kills navalny he's fucking finished mm-hmm. yeah and so th- there's certain things like like everyone thinks he's unlimited now the one thing about this is what are they how are they going the only way to overthrow putin is to somehow have some kind of a uh, an armed violent yeah. coup yeah. because they can't obviously do it through elections. They've tried to do that and, and they just fix the elections. Yeah. He just fix the, fixes the elections. So ha, ha, like, I think that Putin will, uh, I think he's weakened his position somewhat. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's also done what Donald Trump did, which is he's invited scrutiny. Mm-hmm. The one thing that these guys can't afford is scrutiny. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're they're doing a lot of shady dealing. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, I, I think what's going to happen is they're going to. I think that eventually he'll come up with some great excuses. But he'll claim victory where there is no victory. Right. Like yes. they'll pull out. They'll pull back out of Kiev, Kiev and out of uh, out of Ukraine and pull back to the probably close to the original borders that they had. Mm-hmm. They might keep a tiny little bit of territory to themselves, mm-hmm. 
and then he'll claim victory. And hmm. and who will know the difference? No. Yeah. 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 Um, but Fuck. my, I always look at that. I always look at the fact that we're seeing pictures of Navalny in prison now, alive and well. And people are like, well, they tried to kill him. Yes, they tried to kill him when he was out of the country. Mm-hmm. And then you know what he did? Mm-hmm. He took himself right back to Russia because wow. he knew. Right. safer in Russia than anywhere wow, else. Interesting. I had never thought of that, but you have a great, that's a great point. And Navalny is extraordinarily popular. And the other thing is, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Paris? Once they've had their Western, mm-hmm. their taste of Western stuff, how are you going to dial that back yes. so that they can't exactly. access it? And, and by the way, you can block, you can quote block TikTok, block social media. Mm-hmm. There, you know how this works. Of course, you can. <laughs> the people are getting TikTok. Of yeah. course, people are getting access to social media. You, you know what? We don't know how hotspots work. Mm-hmm. Please, right? Of yeah. course, you know it's like there are ways that you can create a network that will get you past any firewall, mm-hmm. any any you know any kind of attempt. To, maybe not in the dead center, and maybe not for average people. But these are the people that were sitting in their parents' basements, you know, hacking the election, you know. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they figured out a way mm-hmm. to get, you know, to get to, to get the Western news. Yeah. And and if they haven't gotten Western news, where are all these protesters coming from? Yes, exactly. That are <laughs> that are getting more and more aggressive in larger yeah. and larger numbers. You know, eventually that stuff speaks volumes. He was not. The thing about Putin is he knew that he had to go in, hit fast, mm-hmm. get them to collapse. I don't know what the hell he was thinking Zelensky was going to do about it. Yeah. Did he not? Was he not paying attention? You know, mm-hmm. get Zelensky to, to surrender, to, to give in, and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And now we're already in the second. It was hubris. I think hubris was oh, got well, in the way. Oh, you know? 100%. And yeah. he just missed gate, really. Right misgaged the situation yeah. now if it were donald trump who misgaged the situation i go oh yeah well because he's an idiot <laughs> who's not an idiot no but he's not I, but I think that he is surrounded by people who tell him what he wants to yes hear. he is in fact i read an article that said um and it was talking to someone in the know and it was just basically saying yeah the there are only it used to be that he would ask all kinds of people what they mm-hmm. thought and actors uh, religious mm-hmm. people. Now it's like three people, and mm-hmm. those three people are terrified to bring him the truth mm-hmm. because they're afraid they're going to get killed. They're so, at, or yeah. yes, absolutely, or, or imprisoned or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. And this, and this is something that happens to autocrats. You know, um, they become uh, victims of their own uh, exceptionalism, their own. And this is why I say American exceptionalism is so dangerous, mm-hmm. because we are victims of our own exceptionalism. America's mm-hmm. the greatest country on earth. You know, yeah. it's to- yeah. it's basically toxic positivity, right? Exactly. That's a great way to put it. It's like you don't have the right to be so happy about yourself. Yeah. Um, when you're, and, and that's one of the reasons why that first uh, 20 minutes of, of newsroom is so mm-hmm. genius, mm-hmm. where he lists, speaking of Aaron Sorkin, yeah. all the different ways that America is not the greatest country yeah. on earth, which is not to say that we're not 
fabulous and that we're not uh, the best choice and that we're not the greatest yeah. game going. But we right. have a lot we need to work on, and we can't get there if we're busy listening to that voice in our head telling us we're the greatest country on earth. Yeah, we we have work to do. You know, we still and and this I blame Biden for this. We still have not forgiven student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that that is the only way that we're going to get ourselves out of this economic pickle that we've gotten our, ourselves yeah. into. Yeah, I think that will come, and I really hope that um, we can get our shit together for the midterms, like I've said that like how many times in my life, but mm-hmm. um, whether it's this midterms or <laughs> whatever midterms, and we haven't gotten our shit together for some of them. We did in 2018, so let's hope for that we can do mm-hmm. it again. But yeah, if we get a bigger Democratic majority, I think we'd, we'd be able to see a lot of things happen in, in you know, in that time before the next election, mm-hmm. just because I think they realize, oh, okay, right now we've we've got Mansion and Cinema as huge fucking obstructionists, and mm-hmm. if we can just get rid of them, I think the Democrats would know. Let's just push all this. Let's get all this stuff out now, and you know, people will start to recognize. Oh, and two years is really not a lot of time, but it's enough time to show. Excuse me, this is what we can do, and I I hope that we do it. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up was the late did you hear there's like the the latest story today is that there's seven hours missing from trump's phone during uh the insurrection did you know i have not heard that (laughs) yeah that's like that's the big thing that everyone's talking about i don't know too much about it but there is that and then there is and then this is what i really want to ask you about because i'm sure you've seen that there are the camps out there from eric garland I'm kind of right now on the camp of, yeah, it's time for you to do something. But what I think he should do, like he's already said, hey, everyone's going to be held accountable. We're going to start at the bottom and we're going to go all the way up. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to be held accountable. Okay, he gave us that assurance Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to take him at his word, but I'm not right now. Because he's not going after Mark Meadows. And now they just voted in the last night. Uh, for criminal contempt or for contempt charges, I think it was, was it um, Navarro? And I can't think of the other guy's name right now and it'll come to me in a minute. But um, basically, whoever it was who worked with Trump, uh, it's Navarro and this other guy. And so they voted for the uh, contempt of court or whatever, not defying a subpoena. And if fucking Garland does nothing, he, th- this is how Garland could do something. Get mm-hmm. them in there or arrest them. Treat mm-hmm. them as if they were not higher ups who have lots of money and power. Treat them mm-hmm. like just fucking American citizens and do what you would do if it was just me who defied a subpoena. And, and that's all. I think if, if Merrick Garland were to do that, uh, a lot of people would start having some more confidence. But I've been real fucking patient and I don't know where you've been, but I've been patient. Like, dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on the let's go after Merrick Garland because number one, I don't want it to depress voting. I don't want people to be apathetic. I don't want them to feel like, oh, I voted for this and this isn't happening. It's like, I don't want to put the emphasis on bagging on him, but it's getting to the point. And I don't expect necessarily a Donald Trump indictment this month. I mean, it might happen in 2023 and I'm fine with that. But what I'm not fine with is Mark Meadows and these these guys who are defying subpoenas just walking along like nothing. Well, so, where okay, are well, you? Here, here's my thought about that. And that this comes actually from just basically years of hanging around with lawyers and being a paralegal. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, 
I, I will say that when you get to the level of Merrick Garland, it it doesn't become how do I say this? I'm going to say it doesn't become as clear cut, and I don't mean it doesn't become as clear cut. If if everything that's been released about a, a Ginny Thomas isn't doesn't let us know mm-hmm. that fucking Mark Meadows is a criminal. Right. I don't know. Because my first thought was, why is Mark Meadows walking around with no indictment? Right. But I I do believe it's coming. Okay. And I do believe there's a reason he's chosen to do it the way that he has. 800 people have been charged yes. for January 6th. Are they all high? Are they, are they higher ups? No, they're not. But the fact is, just because we know that that uh, calls were released from Ginny Thomas's phone mm-hmm. to Mark Meadows. We know that investigation is going on. That, my friends, is uh, that's discovery right there. That is evidence. But isn't that's but isn't what, but isn't that what because the one six committee got that information? That's right, exactly. And and Merrick Garland has made it very clear that that investigation is coming first. Right. Because if you remember. No indictments, really, other than the original uh, burglars for Watergate. Nobody was indicted until after the Senate hearings for Watergate. All of yeah, that that's stuff true. Came down okay, later. so it's like it's hard though. It's really hard. So yeah, you're right though. But because you have to, you have to build. This is the thing. You have to build the case, and because and it's a whole different world than it was in Watergate. Yes, we're very, as you've said, very, very divided. Mm-hmm. So trying to get, as you saw, what happened. We're totally partisan. You saw what happened during both impeachment hearings. We had a president who was fucking impeached twice. Yeah. And we couldn't get and, – and the second time was for something that he, he did on video, which was yes. to incite the January 6th insurrection. And still, you know, Republicans were like, no, nah, I think it's kind of cool. We're going to keep them, you know, <laughs> because they had to go along with what was partisan. That's, we're still dealing with that. Yeah. Um, the, Garland is not going to step in before, I think, the January 6th commission is. You know, He's letting Jamie Raskin do his thing. Mm-hmm. And what Jamie Raskin is yeah, doing is he's building the case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, look, you're right. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm just, I'm, it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch them defy subpoenas and it doesn't look like they're being held accountable and well it doesn't it doesn't but i will also tell you too you know uh they they uh they've been slowly but surely unsealing a lot of sealed indictments that have existed for a while you don't we don't know that there are no indictments Mm -hmm. they may not they may still be be sealed you know they they just unsealed the indictments for the oath keeper all the oath keepers and that was the top of the oath keepers on down that that stormed the Capitol on the sixth, mm-hmm. that or that you know that uh, basically conspired to storm the Capitol. Um, <clears throat> so, and that that is uh, you know so what that indicates is that they have a lot of of sealed indictments, and we hmm. don't know yet where that's going. Yeah. I think Jenny Jenny Thomas is in a shit ton of trouble. Um, I hope and, so. She deserves to be. <laughs> she, well, and so does. Clarence, because he's the only person that voted no on the January 6th. You know, he should, knowing what we know now about her activities, which, by the way, I knew at the time. Yeah. Because, by the way, 
and I don't know if anybody's been talking about it. You know, Ginny Thomas rented transportation to take people to the Capitol to to be yes, there yes, at the Capitol yes, building. Yeah. She's she's got some explaining to do. Okay, <laughs> and we and we knew and I knew that at the time. That came out like within a week or two after the insurrection. So, um, you know, Clarence Thomas should have sh- basically should have recused himself and said, I, you know, I can't talk about this. Yeah. But he did. He didn't do that. So he's in a shit ton of trouble, too, because um, he's going to have to explain why his wife supported the insurrection. And mm-hmm. then he voted no on the committee that mm-hmm. was going to investigate her. Boy, that's some shady dealing. Yeah. So um, and that's a whole different ballgame. Um, I have a feeling. Uh, I, let's just say I have a feeling Joe Biden will be picking one more Supreme Court justice. Oh my God! I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I don't, I, I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> it's like, Wait, whether it's his health or whether it's. I mean, that's probably going to be. If he steps down, it'll be because of his health, right? Quote unquote. But yeah, um, I just he's in a lot of trouble because that the Supreme Court justices are supposed to be above reproach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah. he, that's not above reproach, my friends. Well, I would just like to remind everybody that Joe Manchin specifically said that he would not vote on a SCOTUS nominee in 2024. So there is absolutely, and the reason why is because of fucking Mitch McConnell and what happened with Merrick Garland. And that, that is, there is no rule that says you cannot vote. I mean, look what they fucking did. They fucking put Amy Coney Barrett in two seconds before the mm-hmm. election. So the fact that Manchin said that is it should be motivation for you to give Democrats a bigger majority, because mm-hmm. if it happens that that, you know, was it? Yeah. In 2024, if something happens with Clarence Thomas, whether he steps mm-hmm. down, if he does it before, then great. But we're not going to have that time. So mm-hmm. vote blue people. Well, I don't think I mean, even with uh, with Brown, I don't think we're going to this is going to go on straight party lines. I believe there were Republicans who will vote for her. Yeah, I because- think so, too. You know, so it's not necessarily going to be a straight up and down right. vote with her. But I mean, if he can pick a, a candidate like her, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's wildly popular, unbelievably qualified, mm-hmm. you know, um, then I think he would be uh, good. You know, and also I, I just don't think this is I mean, we're still we're still not even halfway through 2022. So getting into 2024 is like we're getting way way ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. um <laughs> so uh we'll, we'll see how this plays out yeah. a lot of it's going to depend on uh i think that i do believe clarence thomas is having some issues with his health that nobody's really talking he's some uh you know what weird virus that nobody's talking about mm-hmm. and they'll get blah 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 yeah whatever um he's he's got issues nobody stays in the hospital for seven for a week for no reason yeah when they're fine so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or if it's just a minor thing, you know, you you're if you're in for a week, it's because they're running lots of tests yeah. and something's something's really wrong. Mm-hmm. So let's just wait and see what happens. Um, this is all playing out. It's all coming to a head. You know, Jamie Raskin is a very smart man. Mm-hmm. He's not going to let this fall away. He's uh, very doggedly pursuing this and. Uh, He's been playing his cards very close to the mm-hmm. vest. So I just, I don't think anything's been decided yet. Um, I do believe that it's so important that people take the midterms seriously. P- people need yeah. to take the midterms as seriously as they take uh, a presidential election. Because honestly, yeah. what we're handing, what we hand the president after November of this year is, uh, you know, is the difference between, uh, like you said, holding on to our democracy yeah. and not. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we just need to do it. I, you know, and that's it. It's like talking. One of the reasons I wanted you to be on the show is because I knew we would talk about fun stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I knew that, you know, I can't just talk about politics now. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I can, but it's difficult. And it, it's difficult only because there are so many stressful things going on. And, right. you know, I mean, I, I, I even the night of the Academy Awards, and this is not an excuse or any justification for anybody's behavior, but I think that we're all going through this stress right now, this like collective stress, and it's wearing down our nerves, it's wearing down our patience, and it's just, you know, each of us handles it in a different way. I don't know what's going on in his life personally. I don't know, you know, with Will Smith, I don't know, but I know that only in my experience, I don't, I'm not like losing my temper or anything like that. I'm basically fighting the worst case scenarios, you know, unfolding in my head. Uh, I I don't want to think about what's going to happen if, if Democrats lose. And, and so I don't, but that it's just hanging, it's hanging there. And then, you know, I'll be watching, you know, I always have MSNBC on at night and oftentimes it's, it's like, oftentimes it's, on mute and I'm looking mm-hmm. at my computer but occasionally I turn it on if I if something grabs me and as soon as mansion or cinema comes on mute mm-hmm. oh yeah I because can't deal with them I can't deal with them yeah they so make you know me so angry say. so it's like there's certain things I can't fucking deal with right now mansion and cinema are one when I see mm-hmm. news about them I have to I'd, I'd I'll hear about it but I can't put my focus on it because it's like mm-hmm. it just drives me nuts and it makes me feel really afraid for our future. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I've I think my shows recently have been um, a little bit more fun in mm-hmm. some cases just because it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, all day long. We're all just trudging in it and we need a little bit of a, a break to talk about some other lighter things. And so now i'm now i'm starting to feel the like i want to just put my head on a pillow and sleep so (laughs) well you know it's it's interesting about the whole um (laughs) you know the whole will smith and the you know the uh, we were talking about the oscars and all that Mm -hmm. Uh, my boss and i were having it my boss is big on like watching the red carpet she loves to watch the fashion Mm -hmm. and um we kind of uh i looked at some still photographs of people i don't watch the oscars but i looked at some still photographs of people afterwards and um, we came to the conclusion that after two years of lockdown, nobody knows how to dress and nobody <laughs> knows how to act in public. Don't, don't you think this is true? I think this is true. We've completely forgotten. I don't know that Will Smith would have done that if we hadn't been locked down for two years. People forget that they're not in their own living rooms. People forget how to, how to walk in the world uh, with each other now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that when you were talking about a precipitating event mm-hmm. um, and you thinking it was the Ukraine, I really believe the precipitating event was was the pandemic and the lockdown. Hmm. And it, this has affected us in ways. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. you see with my grandson is just started middle school. He's in a, a STEM program in middle school. And you see this with the kids. They show up and they don't know how to behave in class. Mm-hmm. Now, they only had a year and a half two years online, a year and a half online or whatever. But that's a long time if yeah. you're only 11 years old. Yeah, it is. You know, that's a big, ch- that's 10% of your life. So um, they get back into class and it's like now they kind of don't know mm-hmm. what that means. You know, they don't know the rules of the game mm-hmm. anymore. 
um, and there, maybe the rules have changed because now we're all socially distanced and we're all wearing masks and blah, 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 blah. And um, I think that that's a microcosm of what's happening in the world at large. You know, even now they've lifted the mask mandates. Yeah. Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mm-hmm. mask? I mean, there are some places I have to wear. I have a doctor's appointment on, on Thursday. I have to wear a mask for the doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. Even though there's no mask mandates there, there's mask mandates at the, office. At the doctor's. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's there. There is definitely something we're all kind of reacclimating, getting mm-hmm. back into. And I, I hope that we have the opportunity to do that uh, sooner than later. The BA2 variant is. Oh, one of the things before we go, one of the things that I forgot to mention at the, the beginning of this is I read an art. There were a number of articles in local newspapers talking about. I'm sure it was pinged off the, the initial, you know, wherever it was coming from. But the deal is experts are recommending that if you think you have hay fever, so here's, there's going to be a, there, an issue here. If you think you're experiencing seasonal allergies, test yourself for COVID. Because with BA2, a lot of the um, symptoms are similar. And that's what everyone told me I had. You just have seasonal allergies. You just have, because I don't have any congestion, but that's the other thing. If I had seasonal allergies, I would, I think I would have congestion. Um, Mm -hmm. At least I always have in the past. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if getting vaccinated changes the way we experience bugs. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. But again, I, I, here's my concern, but they're saying, the experts are saying, don't just don't assume, don't assume Mm -hmm. you have a cold. Don't assume you have seasonal allergies go get tested but the problem is obviously tests aren't always accurate and i'm seeing a lot of people online say well i had a at home rapid and then i had a pcr and they were negative but then i had another pcr and it was positive and so Mm -hmm. uh, you know that's why i'm going to go have another test on wednesday but we i think what's going to happen is people are sick and tired of all of this shit they're sick and tired of covid if covid wasn't an issue whatever's going on with me right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think about it. I'm just like, Oh, mm-hmm. I've got a bug. But well, you um, know, here's the, this is the thing. That's why, you know, you should just, I mean, basically you just go to the doctor. Like I said, I, I there have been a lot of people who tested negative because they've been vaccinated and boosted. Yeah. So they haven't been able to accumulate enough viral load yeah. to be taking, to be uh, like, and, and you did, you said, I think I remember reading online, you did swab your throat. Right? I did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think that it's just a matter of pick, take, uh, the, of getting the right viral load. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to necessarily test positive yeah. on and even then a people PCR. Are, yeah. And the thing is, is what I think is going to happen. You know, even at the Academy Awards, nobody was wearing masks. You're going to have, mm-hmm. everybody's acting like it's all over. And if, and mm-hmm. if they're getting a mild thing, like I've got, they're going to just assume, oh, it's not COVID and everyone's going to spread it to everybody. And I guess the good news is if it's going to be mild with everybody and it's not going to fucking kill people, um, although the immunocompromised I worry about who can't mm-hmm. get vaccinated, but if it's not going to kill people, then I guess we're just deciding collectively. And I'm not part of this, that it's just going to all peter out. We're all going to get it at some point and it's going to peter out. Um, mm-hmm. I would prefer to do the responsible thing, and we didn't do that, really. We kind of did, but it really just got all fucking crazy. And um, so now we're at this situation, and so if you, what I'm trying to say is if you, like, what I'm doing is I'm acting as if I have COVID. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. out unless it's to the doctor or to get a mm-hmm. test, and 
I'm going to be responsible about it. I don't know if I have COVID. My gut tells me I have it because of every, my brother got it. And he said, mm-hmm. it's different. Things are just, yeah. he's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just different. And what I'm experiencing, it's just different. And again, maybe because, you know, Bob said, well, maybe getting vaccinated where our bodies are processing bugs differently now. Maybe, right. I don't know. But all I do know is I've never felt like this before. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not fun. And so, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm either going to have it or not, but I'm afraid what's going to happen is we're going to see a huge ass fucking spike in the BA2 because everyone's like taking off their mask. And then if they're getting mild symptoms, they're going to think it's fucking hay fever. But we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, it would be great, though, if we could just all bury it into the ground and be done with it. I well, hope we can do that. At some point, you know, we're going to it, it is that's it, yeah, it it's will do going to stop being a novel virus. Yes. That's the whole thing about COVID is it was a novel virus. We've yes. never seen it before. We didn't have antibodies. At some point, it's just going to become another flu. Mm hmm. Um, it's going to become another mm-hmm. SARS respiratory mm-hmm. SARS illness virus, just like any other SARS virus. And, and event, you know, I mean, like, you know, H1N1 is still making the rounds, mm-hmm. too. It's just that most of us have antibodies now because we've either been vaccinated or, you know, yeah. they've, we've gotten the virus. So that's will, what will eventually happen to COVID. And it won't matter how many variants. The fact yeah. is we get a two new flu variant, three, two to five, six new flu variants every season, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, at some point, you just have to move on. <laughs> um but um no but i think you're right like in other words you may be sick but you're also still you're going to be eventually you'll be fine now Mm -hmm. the one thing about the ba2 is that i believe that monoclonal antibodies are no longer effective against it so they have to come up with a new treatment for it um uh and they will i mean they'll come up with a new antiviral or you know a new way to a new type of antibody that will but the existing monoclonal antibodies aren't particularly effective against the BA2. Yeah, right. um, (sighs) So it's just fucking A. You know, know. just fucking A. And that's my Gen X uh, take on all of it. Fucking A. (laughs) Um, Well, all right. It's been almost, it's been an hour and 40 minutes. I'm, oh my God, we said we were only going to talk an hour. I know, we always do that. But um, <laughs> now I'm really starting to feel it. So we got to wrap this shit up. So okay. it was awesome talking to you, as it always is. And <laughs> like I said, it's been a while. So it's kind of cool to have a little break and then get mm-hmm. back into it because there's so much new stuff to talk about. New, new things happening. <laughs> new stuff, yes. new stuff. Anyway, thank you again for coming on the show. Congratulations on your apartment. And of course, before I let you go, where should people be following you? Um, well, I can be uh, found at Twitter at Amanda So on Twitter. My Instagram is Amanda Sowards42, and my TikTok, which is woefully underused, <laughs> is is at Amanda Sowards. Awesome. And Sowards is S O W A R D S. D S. Awesome. Yes. All right. Well, then, of course, you you know you can find me on the Twitter author Kimberly K I M B E R L E Y. Also, and that extra E and the L E Y. Don't forget that. Um, my books are on Amazon please read them please enjoy them and then if you do enjoy them please give them a review because nobody you know nobody listens to me when I ask please anyway I could use good reviews on the show and I could use good reviews on the books so we we shall talk again it was good it was always it's always good thank you and yeah I'm a little off today so I'm just (laughs) just (laughs) FYI I'm a little off all right We will talk later. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.